G'day podcasties, I'm your podcast store, Party Parslow, and this is episode 14 of Party in China. The story of my fascinating, frustrating and very, very funny adventures teaching English in the Chinese provinces of Sichuan and Jiangsu. This is the truth, but it's not the whole truth because too much happened. And it's not nothing but the truth because there are jokes and hearsay and conjecture and guesses and mistakes. And because most of the time, I had no idea what the hell was going on over there. The Wall Mart in Diang is on the Mianyuan River, right near that iconic tourist attraction, the Rainbow Bridge. I'm being ironic, it's not iconic. It's an ugly, orange, four-lane iron bridge with some Christmas lights on it. But they like it, so good on them. Mr Wong had pointed it out to me. Mr Party, Walmart is here. But everyone else called it Walmart. Originally, I wasn't interested as I'd seen photos of Walmartians online, outrageous people in unbelievable outfits. But as always, Trevor was more sensible. He'd visited and told me that they sold German beer. After several weeks of near sobriety, because the local brew, Pijo, is so awful, I'd have risked a lot more than seeing a hairy fat bloke in a tutu to wrap my laughing gear around a proper beer. On my first visit to Walmart, there were two reasons I entered through the exit. Firstly, I didn't know the Chinese symbol for entrance yet. I learnt later that it's the same as mouth, and sometimes it's joined with the symbol for people. So the entrance is the people mouth. Kinda makes sense. And secondly, the automatic doors opened as I approached, leading me to believe I could go in that way. But they'd opened to let someone out. Well, something. A large green black eel. It was about a metre and a half long, say five foot. It was very fast and almost passed me when half a dozen frantic employees surrounded the slippery beast and manhandled it with difficulty but determination back into a large tank in the fresh seafood section right near the checkouts. When I say fresh, I mean alive. Apart from a few frozen items, everything on offer swam or slithered, flapped and flopped. On almost every visit, I'd see seafood attempting escape. I admired their fight for freedom, but they needed to think things through better. The eel had been large enough to trigger the automatic doors, but the smaller fish and tiny turtles probably wouldn't. And even though the store was right by the river, they'd still have to get down the escalators and across the road before disappearing into the safety of the dirty brown water. But they never stopped trying, and there was always some minor Walmart minion mopping up puddles of spilt water. Sure, they could have put lids on the tanks, but where's the fun in that? It's surprising to me now that after only a couple of months in China, I'd already descended into some sort of down-the-rabbit-hole-through-the-looking-glass days. Upon seeing a huge eel rush wriggling towards me, I hadn't run away screaming. Not a squeak, not a eek. Just quietly sidestepped out of the way so the employees could recapture it. A few months later, I probably would have grabbed it myself. I was rapidly disassociating from my normal life and behaviour. Wondering why Walmart would have their checkouts right by the front door, I forced my way through the crowds to where several seafood items weren't trying to escape. There were seaweeds, sea slugs, sea urchins, and other stationary slimy things only Jacques Cousteau could love. If you're too young to remember Jacques, think David Attenborough doing a French accent 
in a wetsuit. I don't think I ever bought anything in the seafood section. Much of it was unidentifiable, and even the obvious fish were never any species I recognised. Also, I was as far from the sea as I'd ever been, or never wanted to be, and had no idea what horrors of pollution lurked in the murky local rivers. I did consider buying a couple of the tiny turtles, but as pets, not appetisers. Just past the freedom-fighting fish was a quarter acre or so of raw flesh. Mainly pork, lots of chicken, some duck, and occasionally beef. But whether it was cow or water buffalo was not clear. Not that I would balk at buffalo. I found some yak there once, pre-cooked and packaged in Tibet, and made a couple of yak lettuce and tomato sandwiches. YLTs. They were all right. Tasted okay, somewhere between beef and venison, but I never had it again. So it's not true what they say, that once you've had yak, you'll never look back. Thank you. I never found any lamb for sale, but I did see it occasionally on restaurant menus. It never tasted like the lamb in Australia, but whether that was due to some sort of switcheroo or because the portions were so small they slipped between my taste buds, I couldn't tell you. A few of the cuts in the Walmart butchery were recognisable. Pork chop here, chicken drumstick there, but most weren't. And there were lots of raw tubular meats, which to me could only mean they came from somewhere between or including the esophagus and rectum, and therefore best avoided. I'd always assumed that underneath their feathers, chickens were all the same off-white colour, but some very popular and more expensive whole-plucked chickens were entirely black. We'll pause while you insert your own black cock joke here. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Just past the slaughterhouse were many, many dumplings. And when you finally made it past the many, 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 so many dumplings, you found the dairy section where, joy of joys, you could find proper cheese. Sometimes. You could never count on anything being there from week to week, or even day to day. When you won the cheese lottery and there were imported items available, New Zealand's mainland was the best score, along with delicious anchor butter. I don't even eat butter at home, but I loved it over there. On rarer occasions, there'd be a European cheese, Edam or Gouda. Often there were American cheeses, but they'd taste like pretend cheese to me. And there were almost always Chinese copycat versions of the US products, pretending to be pretend cheese. It was a delight to discover some decent dairy products, not sure if the other customers were delighted to hear me singing. What a friend we have in cheeses. But what did delight them was the size of my feet. I wear size 12 to 14 shoes, depending on the brand, approximately twice the average Chinese. At school, I encouraged the students to stand next to me and measure their teeny, teeny feet against my titanic ones. It always got a laugh and passed the time quicker than trying to teach them anything. And I didn't really mind when the child would do the same in Walmart. But grown men doing it just annoyed me. Once, I stopped short and was immediately bumped from behind. Turning, I found a small man imitating my walk, taking giant steps with his little legs, and his feet were inside my heels. I scowled at him, but he didn't look penitent or embarrassed. 
just turned as I had and imitated my scowl to screeches of joy from his nearby wife and child. Many more customers found their joy in searching through my shopping basket to see what the hairy ogre ate. Others would do the same with my plastic bags out in the street. Now, that's rude, right? It's not just me, that's bloody rude. Anyhow, hum, about turn at the cheeses, go past the thousands of yogurts and fight your way through the crowded chocolate and sweet section, a rambunctious riot of children and grandparents, and you emerge into the fruit and vegetable area, where several items are easily identifiable. You would take your fruit and veg selection to the scrum in front of the scales to have them weighed. Just like public transport and most other public situations, there was absolutely no need for the pushing and shoving. A queue would work just as well and probably be quicker. Behind the scales, two or three female servers avoided eye contact and weighed whatever was pushed in front of them with no regard for who had been there first. Many a time I'd be about to place my product on the scale only to see something else magically appear beneath it. Looking under my armpit, I'd see some sneaky old lady pushing in. Now, it's not just me. That's bloody rude, right? It is, right? One time I took the old lady's stuff off the scale and handed it back to her politely. She screamed like I'd put my hand up her skirt. And that was when the server finally made eye contact and smiled her approval at my audacity. Because I'd entered the exit that first day, I didn't realise there was an upstairs level until the travelator became obvious on another visit when three or four people suddenly tumbled onto the floor in front of me. You'd think anyone who has seen stairs would understand an escalator, and anyone who'd seen a hill should be able to understand a travelator. But I can't estimate the number of times somebody would fall off it. Or worse, an entire family would stand at one end discussing which way to go while shoppers inexorably piled into each other behind them. On busier days, staff members were posted at both top and bottom purely to keep people upright and moving. One time, just in front of me, a mother and a five-year-old girl hesitated before stepping onto the travelator. Then the mum got on with a little hop, leaving the girl behind. Rather than trip over the little girl, I picked her up and placed her on the moving ramp in front of me. She spent the whole trip up yelling, Boozoo-foo! Boozoo-foo! at me. I'm not sure if she meant I wasn't her grandfather so I shouldn't have picked her up, or if she was calling me Bad Grandad, which is a great name for a band. Ladies and gentlemen, please make welcome Bob Randall. Whatever the little girl was saying, I felt she was being ungrateful, so didn't pick her up again when she fell backwards onto her ass at the top just stepped over her sprawling, squealing little body. Upstairs, it's more like a department store than a supermarket, with everything from clothes and shoes I couldn't fit into to cameras and computers I couldn't afford on a teacher's salary. And foreign teachers earn more than most locals. In fact, one of the student teachers at our school told Trev that she was paid five yuan a class. That's less than a dollar. Past the apparel and gadgets, there's a huge hair care area with row after row of different conditioners, shampoos, creams and sprays. Why? It's not like you see a lot of different colours or styles. Anyway, go past that and you find the alcohol at last. 
several international companies like Carlsberg and Heineken have licensed Chinese breweries. For me, they taste like my home brew. Not quite right. However, you could also find proper German beers, mostly brands I'd never heard of, because I think they come from the former East Germany and there was a communist connection. My favourite was Apostle, with St Peter on the cans. Brown cans hold a tasty lager with around 5% alcohol. Black ones have a sweeter brew and stronger at 7.9%. Both were around 7 or 8 yuan for half a litre, around $1.10, $1.20. But when Walmart realised someone was buying them all, they shot up to 13 yuan each as punishment for my repeat custom. Apostle beer helps demonstrate the Chinese obsession with face or social status. At 8 yuan per 500 mil, 5 litres or 10 cans would cost 80, but a 5 litre keg sold for between 150 and 200 yuan. Twice as much. Makes no sense, except you look cooler walking into a restaurant or party with one big keg than 10 small tinnies. And if people know it costs more, that's even better, as you're displaying your affluence as well as your style. Walmart also had a selection of Western spirits, Gordon's Gin, Captain Morgan Run, Johnny Walker Whiskey. And that actually mortified me as I'd just bought a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label at a nearby Chinese wine shop. It cost me 200 yuan, and Walmart charged only 130. Much worse was when I'd taken it home and opened up the bottle, it hadn't smelt like Johnny Walker. It definitely didn't taste like Johnny Walker. And when I actually looked at the box, it didn't even say Johnny Walker. Instead, and I have photos to prove this, instead of Johnny Walker Red Label, I'd overpaid for a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Labia. <laughs> oh, Labia, that reminds me. Last time, I promised this episode would be about Walmart and sex in Sichuan. But we're out of time, and I haven't even finished with Walmart yet. So, no sex right now, sorry. But if I had a dollar for every time I've been told that, I'd be so rich, I'd never be told that again. So, next time on Party in China, sex. I'm Party Parsler, and you're on a promise. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.